everybody, and welcome to BCL Coast to Coast, the official podcast of the Basketball Champions League. The quarterfinals are underway. The first leg is in the books, and it was a wild first leg of games. Four incredible matchups from around the league. We had some very exciting games, some intense battles, some incredible highlights. We're going to break it all down for you on today's show. Joining me to do that is David Hein, who's over in Germany. Dave, you were there live in Bomberg for Bomberg versus Ike. What did you think of the atmosphere there in Freak City? Uh, it was it was a war. Um, I, I I thought you know that was pretty much my halftime. Uh, what I was thinking halftime, thinking this is just a total war of, of two teams that really would be worthy of uh, of being in the final and uh, being in the final four and then also being champion. Um, obviously, Freak City, uh, you know, Bamberg is a great atmosphere. So uh, just a, a fantastic game, four fantastic games, and uh, will definitely give us, um, has definitely whetted the appetite for the final 40 minutes uh, of these four matchups and I uh, can't wait for, for them uh, on Wednesday. Yeah, next Wednesday is going to be amazing. The second leg of these series will be on Wednesday, April 3rd. And remember, these are two-leg aggregate ties, so they are essentially an 80-minute game. As Dave just said, 40 minutes are down, 40 more to go. So these teams that lost, they're still in the mix. They can still make a comeback in the second leg. There's going to be some incredible drama next week, so make sure you subscribe to LiveBasketball.tv so you can watch all of these games live. Also visit the official website, championsleague.basketball, for all the analysis and stats and news that you need to follow along with the quarterfinals. There's going to be some reaction pieces from Igor Jerkovic and Deacon Lloyd-Smith, the two great writers who joined us on the podcast last week. They'll be talking about the quarterfinals, so make sure you go check that out and download the official Champions League app to get everything you need to know as well. On this week's show, Dave was able to talk to Dusan Sakota from Ike and Tyrese Wright from Bomberg after their game. So we'll have those interviews coming up shortly. Also, we have a longer interview with Ismail Bako, the great young big man from Telenet Giants Antwerp. He was a key factor in their big win on the road at Nizhny. So stay tuned for that later. Coming up first, Dave, let's talk about Bomberg versus Ike. Enjoying that one. Quick start for Bamberg. high for Alexander. All right, since you were at this one in person, it only feels right that we start with Bomberg getting an important 71-67 to victory at home over Ike. As you mentioned, Dave, this was an absolute war. Cliff Alexander was phenomenal for Bomberg, set the tone early with his physicality, his athleticism. He finished with 19 points and 7 rebounds, battling Vince Hunter, who should be the regular season MVP from Ike. So great performance from Alexander. Tyrese Rice mostly held in check by Howard St. Ruse, who played some incredible defense. Rice, the the star for Bomberg, their top scorer. He only had seven points in this game, but he was able to come up with some big buckets when it mattered. Uh, Dave, you were you were there in person. What really jumped out to you from this game? Uh, you know, I, I think you, you hit on most of it. Um, the, the defense on the defense funds was, was amazing. It was, uh, you know, this is a guy that, that, uh, I've really loved being able to watch from afar, uh, over the last, uh, really couple of years. And, um, you know, it was, it was great being there and able to see him, uh, play live. Uh, I haven't had a chance to actually see him play live. So, uh, my first chance to see him, and he was fantastic. Um, you know, I mentioned in the preview 
show that they that Vince Hunter actually had a has had a real problem with uh, playing against Bumberg, and I thought maybe they would have a um, he would maybe have a little bit easier of a time because Elias Harris wasn't able to go. He had a neck problem, um, but Ale- but Alexander, uh, you know, went right at him and uh, on on uh, on offense. And Rubit was able to, you know, do a really good job on on him as well. And um, you know, really, you look at uh, Hunter's numbers. You know, he had twelve points, and really only only um, he only had the third quarter where he played, you know, pretty well. Um, I think he I think he had two points uh, in the first half. Was frustrated, uh, maybe a little bit frustrated with the refs too. He ended up, uh, you know, sitting a lot of the the fourth quarter with foul trouble uh, and, you know, it, Hickman came up, you know, that's one of the things that you really have to like about this Bumberg team is that, you know, you have that three headed monster at the, at the, at the playmaker position with Rice, Jesus and, uh, and Hickman. And, uh, you know, they, it was, it was Hickman who was able to step up, you know, and, 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 you know, Taylor did a pretty good job as well defensively, especially getting the, getting boards as well. And, uh, you know, one of the things that nobody's going to probably talk about what, uh, but, you know, Luis Alinda, he really did a good job, you know, he hit two, three pointers, um, uh, but you know, he defended everybody, you know I mean? He was even on Theodore for a while there, uh, you know, went down and, and, and obviously on switches, you know, ended up going, you know, facing, you know, even the, uh, even Hunter, uh, and he goes everywhere. He, you know, and, and, uh, he, he, he's a guy who's not really, He's not aggressive on offense right now, but he's just, you know, playing everywhere on defense. And, uh, you know, so this is a really, uh, you know, you look at eight, eight, uh, uh, four point victory. Would they have liked to have a bigger, uh, bigger lead going into the second half of this one? Sure. Of course. Um, uh, would you have liked to have had more than an eight point lead, um, after, you know, keeping, keeping, uh, Ike scoreless for the first eight minutes. Yeah, sure. But, you know, I, I think, I think plenty of things went well. And then, and then they also know that some of those things that didn't go well, uh, would, would, uh, you know, they're, they're going to be able to work out. Um, and, you know, on the other side, uh, you know, Ike really, they were frustrated, especially Hunter. Uh, you know, Theodore had a had a had a pretty you know solid game. wasn't wasn't spectacular, uh, and you know I, I, the injury to to Masulis they hurt a little bit for sure. Um, uh, he really wasn't able to do very much offensively, and uh, actually had some troubles as well. Had three turnovers before he got hurt, uh, and really the only guy who offensively was was totally there was Sakota. So. Um, you know, this is a, this is a, this is going to be a big one, uh, for next week. Uh, you know, P- uh, Pagero, the, um, uh, Perego, the, the, the bumper coach, you know, he talked after the game about, uh, about, you know, he's going to pound the rock into Alexander. So I think they're going to have to figure out a way to stop Alexander, uh, in this next game. He was eight at 13. And, uh, so if, if they can't figure out a way to stop him, you know, this could be a long, uh, you know, this could be a long one in the, at the, in Athens, um, and Hunter, you know, Hunter's going to have to perform better than this. And is, and that would have to be his first, first game after, uh, of playing really well against Bomberg, which, you know, he hasn't done in the first three. 
Yeah, Ike definitely need a better performance out of Vince Hunter. I think the physicality, the strength of Cliff Alexander really bothered him in this game. And I'm, I'm interested to see how Alexander does in the return leg in Athens, because like you mentioned, you know, this is, this was a great game for him. This is his BCL career high with 19 points, but it's one thing to play with that kind of confidence and that kind of aggression at home uh, with the home crowd behind you. It's a different thing entirely to be able to do it on the road. It's going to be a very hostile environment in Athens with at least, you know, 11,000, maybe even more fans. Uh, I was there for that that game against Pauk the other week in the round of 16. And that is a very loud, crazy, intense arena. And Alexander, you know, he's going to need to bring the same energy. He's going to need to keep his emotions in check because they need another big performance out of him uh, if they're going to hold on to this lead. But, you know, like you said, I think both teams can take away some positives from this. Um, you know, Bomber Tyrese Rice only scoring seven points and they still get the W. I think they have to be happy about that. But the other thing is, Rice has struggled against Ike. This is the third time that they've played Ike this season. Uh, in the regular season, the first game, he only had six points and eight turnovers. Second game, he was a little bit better. He had 13 points. But uh, Ike, with the with those big, long wings, the athletic guards that they have with uh, Saint Ruse in particular, they've really been able to bother Rice throughout the season. And I, I expect that to continue in Athens. Of course, he's a big-time player with incredible experience. And um, you know, you know he's going to be ready mentally to step up to the plate. But Ike with their physicality, with their size, I, th- I think this is a really tough matchup for him. And another thing from Ike, they got really good performances from Sakota. Like you mentioned, he had 11 points in the first half, finished with 15. Also, Yanulis Laranzakis had 12. So the Greek core kind of uh, carried them a little bit. I think one thing to watch for them is Jordan Theodore. Uh, you know, he was struggling with some injury issues. Uh, we weren't sure if he was going to play in this game. He ended up with 14 points, including a couple really important baskets at the end of uh, at the end of the first quarter. He hit a buzzer beater, and then at the end of the fourth quarter, he had a breakaway basket as well to cut the lead down to four. So uh, I, th- I think you know Theodore looked a little bit better. He's got another week to kind of get healthy, get some rest. So it'll be interesting to see how he looks in the return leg in Athens. Uh, Dave, Dave, any any final thoughts on this game? You know, um, you look at Rice and and Zizis uh, going combined one of nine from three point range, and I really can't imagine that's going to happen again. Um, so you know, you, you you'd think that they're going to be able to shoot better um, in in the return return leg. Uh, so maybe just watch out for that. Um, and, and one other note, uh, you know, we talked about it at, uh, in last week's show, the preview, you know, the between, between, uh, quarterfinal games, uh, Bamberg's hosting Alba this weekend. So that's going to be a huge game. They're fighting. They could actually, uh, they want to try to keep Alba behind them in the, in the standings, uh, in to, to make sure that they can, you know, get home court, uh, home court advantage. So it's a huge game for Alba, for, for, for Bamberg. And, uh, you know, they're still undefeated with, uh, with Perego as coach since he took over. Um, so, uh, some drama going on this, this weekend, uh, in Germany. So just be what, be, uh, be aware of that. 
Yeah, that's a great point. And one final note for me is I really need more production from Malcolm Griffin and Delroy James in the return leg. Griffin, zero points, 0 of 5 shooting from the field in this game. Delroy James, only two points, one of six shooting from the field. So hopefully, the, you know, those guys are role players. I think role players generally tend to play better at home with the crowd behind them. So, uh, you know, Ike will definitely need those guys to step up if they're going to make up this four point advantage. And and advance to the final four. The defending champions on the ropes going into their home arena next week. That's going to be some incredible drama. Uh, Dave, you were able to catch up with Dusan Sakota, the captain for Ike, after the game. Let's hear what Dusan had to say. Uh, Dusan, we're here. Bamberg, uh, four-point loss. Um, I guess with a slow start of almost eight minutes without a point. you know, you guys came back. Uh, you know, Vince Hunter had a had a had a tough first half, uh, foul trouble as well. And um, maybe just your thoughts in general about this about this team performance. Uh, knowing four points, you're only down by four points going into an, the next 40 minutes in Athens in a week. Well, for sure, it was a very high intensive game. Uh, more or less, it was much like the, the first game we played here. Uh, a lot of uh, tough contact, uh, a lot of uh, close uh, close game in defense. Uh, so we kind of knew what, what, how it was going to be. Uh, we got off to a slow start, but we managed to bring the game back, uh, take a lead also. Uh, we started great in the third quarter, but you know I think we also kind of we were a little tired because uh, also we had a huge absence. Uh, Jonas, he's a player who covers two positions and is very very important to us. So that also cost us a lot. Uh, maybe the biggest po- positive that you guys take from this, uh, knowing it's only four, and you know some things didn't work that you guys wanted to do. For sure, and you know, how, like we've seen in the past, also last year, also this year, is if you win by four, lose by four, it doesn't really mean anything. It's just the end of a first half. The next 40 minutes are in our home court. We gotta use the energy of, of our fans also, uh, and, uh, and bring the, even a more in, more intensity defensively, and uh, be better in offense. And I'm, we're hoping for the best. We'll be ready. You guys have to go and analyze tape and everything else, but maybe something that you thought you guys did really well that you wanted that was part of the game plan that did work well. Well, I think especially Howard Sun Ross did an amazing job on, on their best player, uh, Terry's right. So we hope that we, we manage to do that again, you know. And I think uh, as a whole, we were uh, we were very concentrated on the defensive end. Even the their key guys, they made some shots, but they were very, very tough shots, you know, what to do. Uh, there's always room for improvement, of course, but uh, I think if we keep the same intensity in our home court, uh, we'll be fine. Um, maybe just your 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 thoughts about the, the second leg, uh, 40 minutes or 40 minutes uh, from going back to the Final Four to have a chance to then defend the title. Just your thoughts about the Final 40 minutes then? Not, not, nothing to say more, you know. I mean, like you said, we're going to analyze, we're going to watch the tape, uh, see what we did wrong, and uh, uh, all for all, you know, one game, 40 minutes, our home court. Full, full dream, you know, there's nothing to, to lose. We're going to come in there and we'll play for our lives. All right, thanks to Dusan Sakota for his time. Dave also caught up with Tyrese Rice from the winning side in Bamberg. Let's hear what Tyrese had to say. So, uh, you guys got a four-point victory. Um, a lot of things didn't go right, um, and a lot of things did go right. Maybe just in general, your thoughts about this uh, performance uh, at home uh, with another 40 minutes waiting next week in Athens? thought it was good. I thought it went really good. Um, I mean, it was, you know, typical team, typical game when you play against a Greek league team, a lot of defense, um, a lot of athleticism on the court, 
you know, tough to make shots. You know, it's it's normal. It's normal. So the most important thing is to come out with a win and go in there with a good feeling. Um, you guys didn't have Harris today, and and the combination of him, uh, Alexander, and Rubit really stopped Hunter the first two games. What do you think about what you guys were able to do? Really, he only had that third quarter where he was yeah. able to do much. How much did that help? What you guys did today? Um, I think uh, Cliff uh, Alexander stepped up to the plate. Rube stepped up to the plate today, uh, knowing that we had to do a little bit more um, with uh, with E out. So. I thought it was great what they did. Um, I mean, Hunter, one of those guys that, you know, he's so active, he's going to eventually score a couple baskets, you know, some kind of way. It's just about making it tough for him. Uh, you were scoreless in the first half. Do you even think about anything like that? How, how do you approach them the second half? Uh, just stay in your mentality? What, what, what's, your, what's, your, what's your sort of uh, mode in that, in, that, in that instance? I mean, your, your aggression never changes. My aggression never changes. Um, you know, whatever I do that I that I work out on in practice, I'm gonna keep on doing regardless if it's falling or not. Um, these are the shots that I normally take, the shots that I normally make. So I don't really worry about uh, being scoreless or anything like that. It's just about playing again. Look at the stats: zero free throws for you and for Nikos. Zero free throws for neither of you. I don't think you've probably had a game this year where neither of you. None. What does that What does that say? None. What do you What do you What do you think about that? I don't know. I'm not gonna comment on it though. <laughs> Um, you, you're 40 minutes from from the f- final four. Uh, maybe just your thoughts about what what you guys need to do uh, going to Athens in in, in, a, in a week. Um, we need to take this defensive effort on the road with us, um, knowing that it's going to be you know a hostile environment. Um, knowing that it's going to be very tough. So it's going to be a game where we need to show up defensively. And you know after that, shots fall or they don't fall. But you can always control Plan D. Yeah. Um, if you guys do make it to the Final Four, what would it mean to you? Obviously, you've done quite a few uh, things already in your career. What would it mean to get to the to the Final Four in this in this club's first year in this competition? That's a, a huge accomplishment. Um, a huge accomplishment. Whenever you can compete for a championship, is definitely a big thing. So getting to the Final Four and giving yourself a chance at a title is all that you can ask for as a player. All right. Thanks to Tyrese Rice for a little bit of his time after the game. Uh, Dave, what did you think about what Tyrese Rice said? You know, I mean, both of these guys are champions. Uh, both of these guys are veterans. Uh, both of these guys have been around and 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 know, um, you know what, uh, <laughs> you know what what to do in these situations, and you know how to prepare for the next game. And and you know what, Rice, you know. When he comes in and says, uh, you know, at halftime where he was scoreless, you know, he, he, you know, he just stays focused on what he does. And, you know, it's his presence is, 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 um, you know, it's, it's a commanding presence. You know, you, everybody, you know, he draws that attention, um, even, even just in warmups and everything. So, uh, you know, this is the, one of the reasons why I picked Bumber was their leadership, um, you know, especially with those, with those three guards and you just, you know, he, he oozes confidence. And, uh, and so that's why I, I still, I still think that Bumberg is going to go on the road and, you know, they've played tight games all year and has all have also won some tight, uh, some, some, uh, some, some, uh, big road games close. Uh, so, you know, uh, even if, you know, if, even if they lose by three points, they're, they're in the, sem- they're in the final four. So, um, just, just that confidence and, you know, Hey, you know what? I'm scoreless at halftime. What well, don't matter. We'll just, you know, keep going. So that, that's probably the biggest thing I took out of that.
Yeah, that's a great point. He's definitely not going to be phased by the moment in Athens for the return leg. Let's move on now. Dave, you d- you described Bomberg versus Ike as a war. I think that word is certainly fitting for the next game. Nanterre 92 with the win at home in France, beating Virtus Bologna 83-75. to This game was very physical. These teams clearly do not like each other. There were 56 total fouls in this game. Just to put that in perspective a little bit, in Bomberg versus Ike, there were 33 fouls, 56 in this game. Kevin Punter and Demetrius Treadwell got in each other's faces and were shoving each other and trash talking and both got technical fouls at one point. So a very intense environment in Nanterre. The French side end up winning behind a really solid performance. Uh, Jeremy Singlin, who struggled a little bit earlier in the game, but he came alive, finished with 16 points. He's really been carrying them offensively. And Dave, I got to give you some credit. You mentioned in the preview show that you thought Nanterre had an advantage inside with Julian Gamble and Demetrius Treadwell, and those two guys were great in this game. Treadwell, 11 points, 9 rebounds. Julian Gamble, 12 points, 12 rebounds, as they completely dominated Bologna in the paint. Uh, What did you think about the French side getting what I think would be you know, considered an upset win with this eight point victory. You know, uh, they turned, they turned, uh, 15 offensive rebounds into 16 second chance points. And I think that was pretty much, uh, pretty much the difference in this one. Uh, you know, you, I think if you're, if you're an tear and you shoot uh, 28% from three point range, you know, and you're a three point shooting team, uh, and win by eight, uh, even if it's at home, it's, you know, um, but you win by eight. I think you're, you're pretty happy, um, you know, knowing that it's going to take a pretty, a pretty, you know, a pretty impressive effort again from Bologna to keep you at 28% from three point range. Uh, you know, when is, when is, uh, Adesu Kosevius, he, he, when is he going to go one of nine again from three point range? That's not going to happen too many times. So, um, you know, and, and Sengelin was one of four, you know, he might be able to get, you know, whatever, three of six or whatever. You know, I, I, I don't see Bologna being able to, um, I, it, it's going to take a big effort to, 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 to do that. So, um, and I mentioned it and, 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 okay, even a blind nut is going to find a uh, a blind squirrel is going to find a nut every now and again, um, with the, with the bigs, I, you know, I just thought that, 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 that they're, you know, they're bigger and, and, and just, um, physically stronger, you know, especially not necessarily over quality, you know, but, you know, quality, but he's, you know, he's not as quick as, as, uh, as Treadwell and, um, uh, Treadwell and Gamble, but you know, Gamble and, and Treadwell are just physically stronger than, than Kravich and, and, and Marrera. And so that's why I just thought that they would have a, a an advantage on that. It turns out that, you know, that, that that's pretty much exactly how it went down, especially, uh, you know, look at the offensive rebounds, uh, Treadwell three, Gamble four, four. So that's, you know, almost half of the, the offensive rebounds to get, uh, to, to bring those points. So, there's work to do for Bologna. Um, and, uh, you know, like I said, if you're in Nanterre, you have to be pretty happy that you, that you were able to win by eight points. Um, and, uh, you know, and also that you held, that you held, uh, Bologna to just uh, four or 15 
uh, from three point range. You know, nobody really, you know, punter had two of five, but really nobody else was able to do much. Um, and, uh, you know, offensively, you know, where you know, punter was able to get 15, but nobody else had, had more than 11. So, uh, and, and really, again, you know, we, we talked also about a little bit about, uh, shot distribution, you know, 13 shots from punter, uh, but nobody else, uh, more than nine. So, you know, it's, it's, I, I, I ended up not look, I ended up forgetting to go back and look and see what happened, uh, uh over the weekend. Um, but you know, this is, you know, definitely something that, that we, you know, we're going to need to see and, 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 uh, that, um, uh, Georgievich coach Georgievich is going to have to, you know, figure out, um, this not there's this, this not tier team is not going to go away. And, and, uh, you know, an eight point, uh, an eight point, uh, an eight point lead with those three point shooters, that's going to be tough to overcome. Yeah, definitely. This was Bologna's biggest loss in the BCL, the eight-point loss. So they have some work to do. Uh, I, I would, you know, point to their round of sixteen performance though, where they also struggled in France. They tied Le Mans seventy-four to seventy-four, and then in the return leg in Bologna, just blew the doors off of them, outscored them twenty-five to ten in the first quarter of that game. And but Le Mans, but 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 Nanterre is different than Le Mans. True. Yeah, yeah. Nanterre's Nanterre's a better team than Le Mans, but Bologna. They, you know, they, uh, they've shown that once, once they get on their home court, they're a bit of a different team, but yeah, I thought their, their mindset in this game was a little bit disappointing to me. I think they didn't come out very aggressive at all. Uh, Nanterre really set the tone early with their, with their aggression and Bologna, uh, just didn't, uh, didn't bring the same energy until Mario Chalmers was put in the game and he really turned things around for them. He went on a personal 7-0 run in the first quarter where first time he touched the ball, he attacked the rim aggressively, got to the free throw line. Then he picked Yuskevich's pocket, went down for a layup, got to the free throw line again and scored seven quick points. And so he really brought that energy that they needed. But unfortunately for Bologna, Chalmers only was able to play 15 minutes because he fouled out. He struggled with foul trouble. I think the refs were a little bit, uh, calling it a little bit too tight. They should have let some things go a little bit more uh, in terms of some of the fouls that they were calling. You know, let these guys play. It's a physical game. But Chalmers ended up with 10 points, 5 assists in only 15 minutes. So if they can get some more time from him on the court in Bologna, I think that's really going to help them. Um, Another thing, you know, you mentioned Punter was was kind of the only guy who really got going offensively. I think uh, I think you'll see a better performance from from David Cornu, from Eridori, from some of these guys once they get to Italy and have the home crowd behind them. Uh, but the big thing is they got to figure out how to stop Gamble and Treadwell inside. Like you mentioned, they have the strength advantage. They were pushing those guys around Kravich and Morera. They were they were just pushing them under the rim, getting rebounds, getting putbacks. So I think, um, you know, just physically, the Bologna big guys have to really step up, have to box out, have to be very, uh, very focused in terms of getting good position early when the shot goes up and not getting pushed under the rim. With Yuskevichis, I agree that I wouldn't expect him to shoot one for nine again from the three-point line, but I also think that that Chalmers and Taylor and some of these tough defenders kind of got in his head a little bit. Um, so the, the, I think that was a bit of a factor, and it's going to be interesting to see you know how this how the energy of this series is when it shifts to Bologna, where they have that great home crowd. So Bologna certainly not out of it yet, but they have a lot of work to do. An eight-point 
an eight point disadvantage is not what you want going in to the second half of this tie. Of course, history is against them. Uh, many teams have been in this situation before trailing by five points or more going into the second leg. Uh, about only 25% of them have been able to turn it around. Dave, any final thoughts on this game before we move on? Uh, eight point eight point loss, and the and Bologna went seventeen of twenty six from the free throw line. That's nine missed free throws, sixty five percent. So you're gonna have to hit, gonna have to um, do a little bit better than sixty five percent. If you if you hit sixty five percent from the free throw line, you're not gonna win a lot of games. You know, you'll, you'll win games, of course, because of other things. But you know, that doesn't help your cause if you hit sixty five percent. Yeah, for sure. Tony Taylor, very surprising, only one of five at the free throw line. But on the other side of that, I will say Nanterre, they did a, a good job at the free throw line, 28 of 37, but they're definitely not going to be shooting 37 free throws in Bologna. Uh, but, you know, credit to them for, for their aggression, for being physical, for attacking the rim and getting to the free throw line. But I definitely wouldn't expect that to repeat itself uh, on the return leg in Bologna. Let's move on to an incredibly entertaining game. We knew it would be we knew it would be excellent. It lived up to the hype. Hapoel Jerusalem with a very close 75-73 win over Tenerife. This was a game where Jerusalem looked like the better team in the first half. Uh, it, it was back and forth for the first quarter. Jerusalem were able to push the tempo, take control in the second quarter. Tashan Thomas was dunking on everybody. And then Tenerife, really impressive at the, at the start of the third quarter. They went on a 17-0 run. They held Jerusalem scoreless for six minutes to start the third quarter, which I would not have thought would be possible with this great Jerusalem offense. But in the fourth quarter, Jerusalem got control again. Uh, Jacobin Brown, James Felding came up with some big baskets. Uh, Dave, you know, we mentioned Colton Iverson might struggle with the athleticism of this Jerusalem front line with Owens and Stoudemire and Thomas, these very athletic big guys, but it ended up going the other way with uh, Jerusalem really struggling against Iverson's physicality. Uh, what, what did you think from, about Iverson in this game and, uh, and just this game as a whole? You got to tip your hat to 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 Iverson. You know he was uh, he was fantastic. I mean, you can't. There's really nothing else you could say uh, um, say about it. You know, was smart defensively not to to foul. Uh, you know, he ended up having four four fouls, but you know, put in his 25 minutes and never. I know you didn't really have a feel that he had foul trouble. Um, it, you know, in in. You know where where somebody you know isn't able to produce or has to go to the bench, uh, but yeah, I mean he he just was uh, able to 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 muscle his way around and um, yeah, tip your hat to him, tip your hat to the team for finding him in the spots that he uh, could best take advantage of 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 uh, mismatches of switches. Uh, you know, and, and Midas, you know, he came up, uh, had a, had a big game as well. 16 points, eight rebounds. You know, he, he hasn't, uh, you know, this is a team that, that really shares the wealth and, um, you know, and, and, uh, you know, he was, he was definitely the, the other guy that really said, okay, let's, let's get this, um, let's get this done. Uh, you know, we're talking about the, the, we're talking about the losing team. Um, but I think I think the 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 fact that they held Jerusalem to without a point for for six minutes, uh, you also have to tip your hat to that. Um, you know, one of the things that I mentioned last week 
uh, was that whenever Tenerife do lose, that the other team usually shoots, you know, probably better than whatever 40% from three point range. And they had the big lead at halftime, Jerusalem did, and they shot 46% from three point range in the first half. They ended at 36%. So this again goes to it that if they're able to stop the opposing team's three point shooting, they're winning games. So, um, again, okay. So plenty, plenty of, uh, plenty of positives, plenty of negatives for both, both teams. You know, now it's just going to be basically whoever wins this game. Okay. There's a two point advantage, but really for all intents and purposes, whoever wins the game is going to, is going to uh, make the final four, which really in this one, isn't that what we wanted? (laughs) Yeah, this is going to be amazing. I I personally, I want like a five game series of this. That was a ton of fun to watch these two teams go at it. So Iverson, he finished with 20 points, 12 rebounds. Four of those were offensive. I thought Sebastian Saiz also did a really good job. Uh, In 15 minutes, he had eight points and five rebounds. And Tenerife, as a team, 17 offensive rebounds, 22 second chance points. So they were really just killing Jerusalem on the offensive glass. So that's going to have to be a big focus for Hapoel Jerusalem. And the second leg is just to box out, to to get good position when the shots go up and keep Tenerife off of the offensive glass. So that was a huge problem in this game. Tenerife also did a really good job of controlling the tempo in the second half. I think, you know, this is this is a bit of a contrasting styles here where Jerusalem, they want to get out and run. They want to push the pace. They want to get in transition with all of these athletes. We saw Tashawn Thomas with that breakaway coast to coast dunk. And then a couple, and then like a, a minute later, if that Tamir Blatt hit him with a long full court pass and another huge dunk for Thomas and James Felding was getting out in transition in the second quarter. So this Jerusalem team, they want to run Tenerife. They want to slow it down and make it a half court game. They were able to do that in the second half because they were limiting their turnovers. They had seven turnovers in the first half, only three in the second half. So a great job of taking care of the ball, making sure that Jerusalem can't get out in the open floor with all of these athletes. So I thought that was really the key for Tenerife in their comeback. They were down by nine points at halftime. They only end up losing by two. I think they have to be very happy with this result. And for Jerusalem, like you said, you know, two points isn't very much of a cushion. This is essentially just going to be whoever wins the game in Tenerife. Uh, you know, at Jerusalem, I'm sure they would have liked more of an advantage, but uh, two-point lead going into Tenerife, uh, you know, they're, they're probably feeling pretty confident as well. So it's going to be really exciting to see this game next week, unfortunately. So I'll, I will be at Bologna versus Nanterre, which I'm very excited for. That's going to be great. But unfortunately, this game is at the exact same time. So I might have to stream it on my computer or something while I'm in the arena because I definitely don't want to miss this one. Uh, Dave, any final thoughts on Tenerife and Jerusalem? Uh, to Sean Thomas, you disappoint me, man. Didn't get in double digit scoring. <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, eight, eight points, seven rebounds, two assists, uh, uh, two assists, two steals, four blocks. Uh, didn't get the double digits, but you know, had, had the, that, if, if you didn't see it, go back and check the highlight. He grabs the offensive, re- or grabs the defensive rebound, goes coast to coast. Um, you know, and then. Also does a little shake, uh, like look away kind of to, 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 you know, cause somebody, you know, they might think he's going to pass and he just goes up and, and throws it down. I love the guy. I love every, every time I'm able to, to watch him play. So, 
again, this is going to be a great battle because it's two points and this is two teams. Um, uh, they, the, the question for the only question for me then is, uh, you know, is, is, uh, Tenerife going to be able to, to slow these, find a way to slow these guys down again, you know, 10 points. And it, it was the second fewest points they've scored, uh, this, this season, uh, 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 Jerusalem, they had 70 points against Ike and they only scored 10 points in the third quarter. That's the fewest they've scored uh, all season in a quarter. Um, so again, six minutes without scoring a point. I don't know if that's going to happen again. So let, let's go. Let's let's have fun uh, in uh, uh, on the island and, and check out this one. All right. And the last game, the only road team to get a win in the quarterfinals, Telenet Giants Antwerp with a huge 83-68 to 68 win on the road at Nizhny Novgorod. Paris Lee was incredible. 24 points, three steals, Doing it at both ends of the court. He hit five of six three-pointers. He was phenomenal. Also, some great performances from Ismail Bako with 14 points. We'll hear from Bako coming up here in a few minutes on the program. Uh, Dave, what did you think about Antwerp going on the road, the young kids with a huge victory in a, in a hostile environment? I, I didn't see this. I, I don't think many of, us, many of us saw this, especially the way that Nizhny had been playing. Um, but fantastic. You, I mean, you definitely have to tip your hat to these, to these kids, uh, from, from Belgium. Uh, Lee was, was, was fantastic. Uh, especially going uh, against a guard like, uh, Perry and also at the other end, you know, slowing Perry down and, um, you know, and at the same time taking care of the ball, they only had seven turnovers in the game, uh, you know, dominated the paint 44 to 22 points in the paint. Uh, were able to turn the, uh, you know, turn the turnovers into points, uh, 22 to four, 22 to three points off turnovers. Um, so, I mean, they, and they only held, and they held Nisney to only 26 points in the second half. So, I mean, everything that you could have wanted went right, um, for, for, um, for Antwerp. Um, and, and 15 is a big lead. And to, to give away, you know, they, you know, everybody, you know, listening to a post-game press conference and, and also, uh, you know, uh, Baku talks about it. You know, they all made note of Halone missing, you know, winning by 33, but then having to go to overtime uh, in the return leg of the FIBA Europe Cup. So, you know, they're, they say they, they, that's, that's one of the big questions is there, uh, is their youth, you know, youthful exuberance uh, going to be, It'll be held in check and stay grounded in order to, you know, play these last forty minutes as if they're down by fifteen, uh, you know, or 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 whatever, just a zero zero game, and say we got to win this game. So, you tip your hat, you know, fantastic performance. Obviously, uh, you know, Ian Hunter, uh, Ian Hummer not not being able to play was was a, was a big one. You know, he had he had really produced well in the last three games, um, but you know. Nizhny is going to have to do again what they did in the first leg, what they what they did in the first game uh, against uh, Venezia at home. They're going to have to do it on the road, and, and their offense is going to have to be clicking. And um, and that means that Perry's going to have to have a huge game. He's going to have to pull out a Superman cape, and Dragosevich is going to have to do better than uh, I think he was three of nine, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and uh, and they're gonna really just gonna have to put the clamps down defensively. If this game is in the seventies, I I don't see how um, 
how Antwerp doesn't uh, 70s and up. I don't see how Antwerp doesn't make it. Yeah, it's a good point about the Venezia game. We know Nizhny are capable of getting a huge win. They beat Venezia by 23 points. I think Kendrick Perry had 34 in that one. So they're going to need another huge performance out of him. I think Antwerp, they did a really great job on Perry. You look at the box score, he had 17 points, but most of those came in the fourth quarter. Uh, Early on, Paris Lee was doing a really good job defending him, and then Antwerp, they were switching. They have these big, long, athletic big guys with Ismail Bako and Hans Van Wan. They did a great job switching onto Perry and really bothering him with their length and with their mobility. They can slide their feet and stay with him off the dribble. So those guys did a great job. And I actually thought Nizhny, you know, in the first quarter, I was pretty encouraged by them because they were getting perf- getting points from guys who aren't Perry. Uh, if Guinea Baburin was on fire in this game, he had 15 points, five of eight from the three-point line. Artem Komalov hit a couple threes. Astapkovic hit one early in the game. So I thought that was a positive sign for Nizhny where they were getting some contributions from guys other than Perry. But Perry just wasn't able to get into the game until it was the fourth quarter, until they were already down by a lot of points. So Nizhny, they need to get Perry going early on in Antwerp if they can, and then other guys are just going to have to follow his lead. Uh, but we mentioned Lee with a great performance, 24 points. Also, Victor Sanders had 11, uh, and I think he scored most of those in, in the first three quarters. He was really doing a great job offensively for Antwerp, helping out with some of the scoring. Jay Sean Tate with some important buckets late. Tyler Kalinowski, another solid game, eight points for him as kind of a, a role player who goes under the radar a little bit with this team, but he had some some really solid contributions as well. And Hans Van Wijn, we mentioned to Sean Thomas's coast-to-coast dunk. Van Wijn had one himself in the second half of this game that was pretty incredible. So go back and watch that on the highlights. Dave, any final thoughts on this game? Um, just home records so far, just to close it off. Um, uh, Antwerp, 6-2 and two at home uh, in the BCL this year. Uh, Ike, 6-2 and two at home. Tenerife, 6-2 and two at home. Bologna, 7-1. Ah, and one. Uh, So those are our home records for the four teams hosting the uh, return legs next Wednesday, or this Wednesday. All right. Good point there. And let's go now to overtime, five segments from around the quarterfinals. Dave, first up is stat of the week. Uh, you just had an interesting stat there with the home records, but do you have something else as well? Yeah, it kind of actually goes on that. You know, one of the things with this uh, with this uh, home return leg, uh, you know, just the two games instead of a, a best of three or something like that. Um, you know, the, this this you know whether or not there's a home court advantage or, or or whatnot over the the span of the this is now the third season of the of the BCL, including the court the including the qualifier qualifying round, thirty seven percent of the teams. Uh, with the road, with the with the non home court advantage, have, uh, have advanced. Um, and if you take a look at the the playoffs, only the playoffs, then that number jumps to forty five percent. Eighteen of the forty uh, matchups thus far, eighteen of forty, uh, the 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 home team in the first game, home team in the first game has advanced including Ike twice last season. Um, and half of the teams hosting the first leg, so let's say not the home court advantage, half of the eight teams uh, in the round of 16 have advanced, and that being Nizhny, Antwerp, Nanterre, and, and Bomberg. 
So we just talked about the home court advantage that those guys, or the the home court records that those guys uh, have. Um, forty five percent of the playoffs so far in the BCL history, forty five percent have seen the road team actually advancing. So there's my stat of the week. What do you got? All right, for me, I'm going to go with Ike Athens and their struggling offense. They have now scored less than 68 points in back-to-back games. And in their previous 53 BCL games, they had only been held under 68 points twice. So this is the worst that Ike's offense has looked basically in the three years of the BCL. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Of course, the the game against Pauk where they didn't, score 68 that didn't necessarily matter because they still won that uh won the aggregate in advance but under 68 points again in Bomberg not a great sign as Ike are heading to Athens they definitely need more production from guys like Malcolm Griffin Delroy James like I said they need Vince Hunter to have a bigger game uh because they need to they need to score some more points and uh if if they're gonna turn this around Next up, surprise of the week. I'll go first for this one. I'll say, uh, you know, of course, the Antwerp result was surprising. 15-point win on the road. I don't think anybody would have expected that. But I was pleasantly surprised by Nanterre with their 8-point win at home over Bologna. I thought going into these matchups, I thought this was the most lopsided Bologna had, um, just more individual talent than Nanterre, but Nanterre played better as a team. They came out with a better mentality. They were more aggressive. They were very confident. And I'm not necessarily surprised that they won, but eight points is a pretty good advantage going back into the second leg in Bologna. So shout out to Nanterre. Dave, what do you have for your surprise of the week? Yeah, that, that Nanterre was the last was the last one that I was able to decide who was going to win. I picked Bologna, but that was the one I was fighting with the most. Um, and uh, so, uh, again, you like you said, winning at home not necessarily a surprise, but with eight points, that's. Uh, um, I actually I kind of left Nizhny uh, Antwerp for you, but that's fine. Um, I I I, uh, I I I was surprised that that Colton Iverson was able to do what he did um, or, or maybe better said that Jerusalem couldn't do what you thought that they were going to do against him. That, that, that kind of, that really surprised me. Um, and you know, you, you, you know, what is, what do they do against him next, you know, next week, you know, does Stoudemire maybe play more, you know, he only played 16 minutes, um, you know, is is you know Butler fouled out and Butler was super frustrated. He fouled out in 22 minutes. He was super frustrated w- w- with with the uh, with with his being with his being called on fouls. Um, so what what they're able to do or not do against Iverson, and then but the thing to watch out with that is so okay. So that's my surprise of the week that Iverson was able to do. But now what does? Vitoretta come up with say okay they're going to make this adjustment now do we go away from Iverson or only go limited to him and then go to size or whatever so that there's another little uh factor there um this is a team that's always been able to have one guy step up and then the next guy steps up you know a different guy so that's going to be one of the things but Iverson doing what he was able to do uh that that surprised me 
Yeah, another another shout out for Iverson. Twenty points, twelve rebounds, just completely dominated in the paint. I think the thing there is if if Tenerife limit their turnovers, then they can keep Iverson on the floor and he's going to have success. But if they turn the ball over and Jerusalem are able to get out in fast break situations and really push the pace, I think that's where where Iverson might struggle a little bit. But if Tenerife take care of the ball, they can keep him on the floor and he can bully guys in the post. So great performance from Colton Iverson. Next up, we have Overreaction Friday. Dave, what's your overreaction? You know, I'm going to, to I, I guess maybe it's o- over, um, yeah, I guess it's maybe not not seeing what, what uh, we also could have seen. Uh, Nisney is now four and five at home um, uh, in the in the BCL. And, uh, you know, uh, is this team in trouble, you know, without Hummer now as well? I, I don't, uh, wasn't able to find out what happened, why he wasn't able to play. Um, are they now in real trouble? You know, uh, I know that's, you know, one of the things that you always, you know, pundits always, you know, it's like, oh, this is, you know, the, you know, this team is flying high and now it's super low and let's, let's go with overreaction. You know, that, that Nisney now is in real, real trouble, you know, also having to now go on the road, um, you know, but this is a team that's had, you know, so many highs and so many lows already. And, and, um, so yeah, let's go overreact that, that, uh, that Nisney is, um, I mean, I guess not totally overreaction because they are in real trouble. <laughs> yeah, I think 15-point loss qualifies as trouble. Uh, for my overreaction, I'm going to go with Julian Gamble with Nanterre and say that maybe Julian Gamble should consider signing in the Italian League next season. I'm sure Nanterre don't want to lose them, lose him because he's been great for them this season. But Gamble with a double-double against Bologna, that's his third double-double in the BCL. All three have come against Italian teams. So Julian Gamble, maybe, you know, maybe his career, he's been in France, Belgium, played for Bonn in Germany. Uh, Maybe his destiny is to go to the Italian league and, and dominate there. So Julian Gamble, just some career advice, might want to check that out. Next up, we've got injured player who was missed the most this week. Dave, I'm going to start this one and say Kelvin Martin from Bologna. Uh, I've, I've mentioned a few times that Nanterre were the more aggressive team. They were the more confident team in that game. Martin is a guy who is just all heart and defense and hustle, and Bologna really could have used a guy like that in this game against Nanterre. Uh, Chalmers definitely brought that energy off the bench, but he struggled with foul trouble, like I mentioned. I think if they had another really tough uh, guy like that, in Martin, they would have been better off. He's also a, a big physical guy uh, who could, who could have helped with the rebounding as well. And so I'm I'm going to say Kelvin Martin was sorely missed by Bologna, and I think he will also be out in the return leg. So Bologna going to need some other guys to step up to cover for that loss. Uh, Dave, who was your uh, most important injured player who didn't play? Well, you stole my thunder on that, um, uh, Martin. Just to, to, I guess, to, to finish off the the couple of facts I have on them, he he missed. Uh, so it was a thigh injury, and and they're talking maybe three weeks, and he he missed five games uh, earlier this season, and they were three and two. They lost um, at they lost against Neptunas and Ostende, and uh, they were out rebounded in three of those five games, including both of the losses. Um, and you have to think that just with his physicality, he would have been able to at least help a little bit more on, on, uh, uh on the rebounding, uh, on the glass against guys, you know, that are physically strong, like Treadwell and, and Gamble. So, um, uh, you know, definitely that was, uh, he was my guy, but I, I mentioned him a couple of times. I'll go with Hummer. Um, you know, he had averaged 14 points, 7.3, uh, 7.3 rebounds 
uh, and three assists in the last three games and really helped bring uh, the ball movement and everything else um, in, in that Nisney offense and really gave, really gave uh, Nisney uh, uh, a second or third score, whichever, you know, whichever one may be the case. Um, and, and obviously, you know, they ended up with only 68 points shot 44%, um, you know, 17, 17 assists in the game. You know, that number may have been higher with Hummer. Um, and also he brings the energy. He has all, you know, he also has these fantastic dunks that also, you know, spark, spark the team and, 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 and none of that came. So, um, I, I agree. Martin was the guy, was the injured player who was missed the most. Uh, but right, right close up there, uh, was, was Hummer in my eyes. Yeah, also, we didn't mention him, but Ivan Strebkov from Nizhny didn't play in this game either. He averaged 12.6 points during the regular season, was their second leading scorer behind Kendrick Perry. So not having him there was big as well. And one one more injured guy who might return next week and could have a big impact is Javier Bayron from Tenerife. Of course, Tenerife did well without him to only lose by two points in Jerusalem. But Bayron is a big-time player. They would love to have him back in the return leg. He was questionable for this game, so maybe he'll be able to give it a go after another week of rest in the return leg. So keep an eye out for Javi Bayron with Tenerife. Uh, just one more injury, injury note. Um, I was at, I was at the Bamberg game and, and Jonas Matulis, you know, he, he ended up uh, going to the hospital for x-rays. Uh, it wasn't broken. Um, they were supposed to have an MRI, uh, but he was in a sling uh, after the game. So I, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know at, at time of recording what the injury was, uh, but I can't imagine that that he um, that he'll be there. So that's uh, puts even more pressure on Griffin and and uh, and and James to to come up with uh, offensive production and also rebounding. You know, once one of the things that I've really enjoyed Masula so much this year is, is his rebounding. Yeah, big loss for Ike to lose a guy with some championship experience uh, going up in in a game where they could definitely use it. And the last topic, Dave, is our personal team of the week and MVP. I'll let you go first on this one. All right. Uh, I have uh, Paris Lee, Jeremy Sanglin, James Feldine, Tr- uh, Demetrius Treadwell, and Cliff Alexander, and MVP. Um, I guess I'll go with Paris Lee, especially since that was on the road and against uh, a guard like Perry. So I imagine you have probably quite a few of the same guys. Yeah, very similar. In fact, I went with Paris Lee, Jeremy Singlin, uh, Cliff Alexander. For Jerusalem, I chose Jacobin Brown instead of James Feldine. Feldine also had a great game, but I thought Brown was really clutch. He hit. Uh, he had buckets in the final minutes of the first quarter, the second quarter, and then in the fourth quarter, he was able to get to the free throw line for the two uh, free throws that gave Jerusalem the lead. I think Feldine and Brown, both of those guys, just their ability to score one-on-one to attack off the dribble to hit step back three-pointers both of those guys were huge but I went with Brown in that and then for Nanterre I went with a different big guy I went with Julian Gamble I think Treadwell was more impactful over the course of the game but Gamble really really stepped up in the fourth quarter when Nanterre needed him and and gave them a cushion uh, to go into Bologna so I went with Paris Lee Jeremy Singlin, Jacobin Brown, Cliff Alexander, Julian Gamble. And yeah, I think the MVP has to be Paris Lee. 24 points, uh, great defense, great energy. Also did a good job distributing the ball. Uh, 
Uh, so Paris Lee was phenomenal. And coming up next, we're going to hear from his teammate, Ishmael Baco. Dave was able to interview Baco for about 20 minutes on a variety of different topics. Uh, and so it was really cool to get Baco uh, from this exciting Antwerp team who look like they're on course for the Final Four after a 15-point win on the road at Nizhny. So stay tuned for that. Dave and I will catch you on the other side of the interview to wrap things up. But here is Ishmael Baco. Here's Paris Lee. Lee, great pass to Bako. Look out again. Ishmael Bako up to 21. All right, so on the show this week, we have uh, Ishmael Bako uh, from um, Telnet Giants Antwerp. Uh, Ishmael, thanks for uh, coming on the show. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Um, you guys opened the quarterfinals uh, with a big 15-point victory at Nizhny Novgorod. Uh, maybe just in general, how would you characterize the the team's effort uh, in Russia? Um, I mean, I think we all feel uh, confidence and that we threw the first punch. So, yeah, about the confidence. Uh, they are a very good team, um, especially the point guards and uh, their center. They have like a huge impact on their team and they also had some injuries. Uh, but we had players like uh, Paris and Victor and also other players that were at top level. So, um, yeah, we are glad that we had this big league and we drew the first punch because if you look back at the game uh, of Mercia, we had like an eight-point lead and that's the reason why we won because we lost by seven points on the second game. So every uh, point is crucial. Um, you guys only committed seven turnovers. Maybe just talk about how key that was in, in getting this victory. Yeah, so um, I think we really play well with each other and we uh, play at top level. Um, so also with the point guards and like the other guards, um, we were really consistent with how we play with each other. I think we really felt um, when the dive was ready and when we needed to shoot and also with our defense, uh, this was one of the things that also gave a great impact uh, to win the game because if our defense is good, then for sure our flow of our offense is also very good. So that's why we also were very good with the assists. Um, Paris, Paris was uh, pretty awesome again, uh, 24 points, five of six three-pointers. Uh, you guys have really developed a great alley-oop connection. Maybe just talk about what it's like pl- pl- uh, playing with Paris Lee. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, he's a very good player. And uh, this is now the second year that I play with him. And um, I also see him growing and maturing every game. Uh, this is now the second season that I play with him. So it's really nice to see that. Um, I also want the best for my teammates. And, like, uh, the two of us are a good combo. So I think everyone can agree that we play nice together. Um, we kind of know when he will take the shots or if I need to do a rescreen or like if he will give an alley-oop. I think that we have like this kind of connection to know um, who will do what. So overall, he's a great player and um, I feel he has like a lot of potential and I'm happy that he's in our team. Uh, for sure, I want to win the Champions League. He wants it too. So I think we need everyone at top level because uh, it won't be easy. Um, you guys both joined the team in the in 2017. Uh, maybe to you personally, you're from Leuven and you played uh, with the the Leuven Bears for for five years before you decided to 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 join Antwerp. Maybe just talk about some of your 
the big reasons for for you going over to uh, to join the Giants? Yeah, so like um, I play like in Belgium for a while now, and um, Antwerp was one of the teams that I respected the most um, in terms of staff and how they practice, and also like the way that they play the game. Um, I really felt that if I would go to Antwerp, that I would become the player that I am now. So I really felt confident um, signing with them. And um, also when I saw the players that they uh, signed before me, uh, I felt really confident um, to join them. And then also when I joined Antwerp, um, during the time, I was really glad I made the decision because uh, their philosophy, uh, it worked perfect with uh, the play style that I play. Um, I like to give like a lot of screens, wrist screens. Uh, I like to dive. I like to get alley-oops. And the players that they took um, really like to hand out assists. So I'm really grateful um, that um, I have nice teammates that also provide for me. So, yeah. Um, Christophe Benin, who, who holds the record for the most games played for the Belgian national team, is also a three-time Belgian player of the year. He retired after the... 2017 season joined Antwerp as a as an assistant coach um maybe what it's like what it's been like learning the game from from a former great big man who I who you played you know you played uh, until 2017 just maybe what you've what you've been able to learn from 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 uh assistant coach Benin yeah so like the last game I played as a Leuven Bears um, I played against him and uh, he scored a lot against me. So I was really excited uh, that he would be the assistant coach because I know he um, can learn me a lot. And um, he did, uh, especially the first year. Uh, then I really grow as a player. Uh, I matured a lot. And even now, um, there are always small details that he tells me that I can do better. And like, I listen a lot to him because I respect him very much. And uh, like I said, every game, there's like something small that he says to me, like, yeah, you need to do this. You need to see all that. Um, like work more on my left shots uh, before the games or before practice. Um, sometimes you do little drills uh, to perfect the because I still feel my touches need to be like a little bit better sometimes. So he's like one of the um, better coaches that I can have right now because um, he just stopped playing basketball. So he still um, has like a good vision about how it works. So, um, yeah, I'm really glad that he's my assistant coach. And he already taught me a lot, but uh, there's still more uh, room to improve. So it's been a pretty magical season already for, for Antwerp, one of the one of the big moments came a couple of weeks ago when you guys won the Belgian Cup. You beat Ostend, uh, and you were actually the MVP. Ostend had won the last seven Belgian Cups uh, twice, beating beating you guys actually, beating Antwerp. Uh, maybe how good did it feel to to get the trophy for uh, for the third time for the club? Yeah, it feels really good to uh, achieve such uh, things. Uh, for me personally, this was the first time that um, I won a trophy. And then directly, I also uh, won the MVP. So uh, for me, uh, it was really a big achievement and it made me hungry for more. Um, it was also a great experience to play a cup finals. Um, the exposure is great. And I think that those kind of games really mature players. And um, that was like the right test for us to see 
if we could um, do big things in the Champions League uh, because we got the win with the finals and then we had a great confidence boost to play against Mercia and then we also won that. So it was a really magical week where we beat Mercia and that we won the finals. So that was like a really great experience. Uh, in in December, you there was a slam gun dunk contest, and you you won it by taking off. Last dunk was taken off just inside the free throw line. Uh, the big men don't always win the the slam dunk. Maybe how did it feel to to get that trophy? <laughs> yeah, so like the to win also something like that. That's also just uh, more for fun to win. Um, I like to dunk. I think everyone knows that. Mm-hmm. So um, to show my tricks on television for fun for everybody. Um, that was like a different kind of achievement that I always wanted to win. Um, also, when I look to the NBA, I like to watch all them um, dunk competitions. So to me to say like, hey, I won also a dunk competition, that's something for myself to say um, that gives me like um, a great feeling. And it's actually back-to-back uh, Antwerp uh, guys winning the, the slam dunk. Uh Hans von Wein won it last year. Um, you guys obviously have a, have a close relationship. Maybe how much did you guys talk about it uh, in the build-up? You know, what dunks you want to you know use and whatever. How mm-hmm. much did you talk to him about it? Yeah, actually, uh, last year uh, it was supposed to be me um, who would participate in the dunk contest, but because I had like problems with my knees, um, I said to the federation that Hans would take my place, and uh, he won it. So like. That also gave me a great feeling because um, it gave him a lot of confidence for the rest of the season. And um, he's also one of my closer friends. So it's also really nice uh, to see if my friends uh, win some things. And then this year I won. So like um, I kind of watched our um, the dunk competition of Hans of last year. And then I kind of looked at it with mine so to see like who was the better one. But it's hard to say uh, who would win. Um, I would um, prefer it if I would go against him. That would be like a um, friendly rival. So, but uh, too bad it didn't happen. But maybe another time. But for sure, it was a great experience to share with each other. You guys need to do it in practice, have your teammates as judges. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I think we have bigger goals to focus on. But uh, maybe during the off season, we will do something like that. Yeah. You actually have a long history with with, Han, with Hans. Uh, you played with him in Leuven in, in uh, 2013-14 uh, in the league. Uh, and you also uh, you helped Belgium get promotion to, at the under-18 European Championship in 2013 and then a summer later at the under-20s. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. just how excited were you then in 2017 uh, when he came over from, from Limburg United? Yeah, so like before I joined Antwerp, I actually had a great conversation with Hans because he was one of the main reasons I also joined Antwerp. Um, it was before um, Antwerp contacted me that I already knew that Hans would go. And uh, he was hyping me up to say like, yeah, you need to come over here too. Like um, this team will fit great for you. We'll do like great things. So I'm really happy that um, I listened to him. We also have like a great history together because um, when we were like younger, like 14 or 15, when I joined the youth national teams, that was the first time I met him. So we have like a long history. And um, even now when I'm with the national team, uh, we are like roommates. So we have like uh, nice conversations and 
our chemistry is also great. So it's really nice to have one of your closer friends um, in your team because um, it's always nice to have also fun um, when you're playing basketball, when you're uh, playing with closer friends. Speaking of fun, part of the fun uh, uh, of watching you is your flair, you know, the hair, the emotion, the, the alley-oop dunks. Um, maybe where does all that come from? Where it all comes from? Um, I think it's just natural with me. Um, if people know me better, then they know that I'm not acting in just my personality. I'm a kind of player who plays um, with fun, like I need that the crowds. Uh, I need to be sharing. I want everyone seeing happy faces. That's when I get a lot of energy. And if people give me alley-oops, I know that everyone will get that extra boost. And also because we are like a very young team, I think we should do it like that because we don't have the uh, maturity and experience uh, to really play serious, like um, much older, like not older, but like people that are a little bit older. So I think this is like great time for us to play like this and this makes it more fun. Uh, we, we talked to Paris Lee about uh, how last season you guys just missed uh, going through the qualification qualification rounds uh, and that you guys had to again th- go through the qualica- qualification rounds this time. Um, and then you guys got, got um, uh, you know, stuck or whatever. You got put in that group with... Um, with uh, as it turns out, four of the half of the quarterfinalists, uh, with you guys, uh, Hapo Jerusalem, Ike, and Bamberg, you played those three teams six times. Um, how much did that? Uh, and those are pretty big names, obviously. How much did that help you guys um, to prepare yourselves, also mentally, saying, you know, we can do this uh, going into you know, the playoffs against Mercy and then maybe even also the cup, maybe just talk about how facing that really high level competition in the group stage helped you guys. Yeah. Uh, so I think that most of the fans and people uh, thought that there would be like no chance for us to achieve where we are right now. But I think that was the perfect uh, place for us to be in because we are a young team and we had not a lot of experience and, um, we also grew every game of the Champions League, uh, especially when we won against Jerusalem and we had close games against Bamberg and um, also with Ike. I think every game we really matured and we grew. And there wasn't one game that I really said, okay, that was a game that they were much better than us. So every game uh, we took it to the next level. And um, after that, our confidence uh, became higher and higher and we became more fearless and then to say like okay now we are the underdogs and we're just going to give everything um, this is the result and we are now in the quarterfinals uh, without fear and I know that a lot of people uh, don't have high hopes for us but I think every day we keep surprising them and I really hope that one of these days people will say like okay they might be a final contender I think we are at the right place right now. And um, I'm really glad that we had the opportunity to participate in such a hard league. Um, against You mentioned Hapo Jerusalem. Uh, you got to play against Samari Stoudemire. Obviously, he's accomplished so many great things uh, in the NBA, which is where you want to be um, you know, down the road. Uh, what were those matchups 
for, uh, for like for you going against a, a really a great uh, NBA player like uh, Amari Stoudemire? Uh, I think this is one of the great uh, moments in a career that I can have um, personally because he was one of the players that uh, I kind of looked up to when I was a little bit younger. But then when I was standing next to him in the field, it was like a reality check. Like, okay, this is also just a player and I'm in here to win. Like, I'm not here to get his autograph or to get a picture. I want to win against that team. So when I was on the court, it was a different mindset than uh, the day before or week before. But of course, it gives like also um, great confidence that you get the opportunity to play against uh, those type of players. And it's also nice to say against your family and against your friends to say like, hey, the next um, great NBA player, um, I will play against him. And most of them still don't believe me, but I think <laughs> um, it's a great opportunity and a great confidence boost to um, get the experience to play against him. You mentioned that uh, you know you hope that uh, you know people will start um, taking you guys more seriously. Um, maybe what did it mean for you and the team that you know Antwerp became the first Belgian team to qualify for the BCL playoffs? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so like I feel like we are for sure the underdogs, and uh, we are uh, very hungry to get as far as we can. Um, we can just say like, hey, we've been competitive and we've already made history with this team. Let's make it a wrap. No, I think everyone has high goals and we already got the first bite. So uh, why not just finish it? Um, everyone wants to get as far as they can because this is a great exposure for everyone. Um, I think if we were playing back in Belgium that not a lot of people were looking at us, but now the far that we are going, we can feel that more and more people are following us and supporting us. So we also get the opportunity to grow every game. And um, as a basketball player, you want to win trophies. That's why we play. So I think these are one of the chances we have to take because it would be a shame if we wouldn't. Um, yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned the Belgian League uh, last week. Uh, Liege announced that it would postpone uh, one of the two games. You actually had two games against them uh, between the cha the Champions League uh, quarterfinals on Friday and on Sunday. They decided to postpone the second game to kind of help you guys be best prepared for the BCL. Um, what did you and the team think about that? You know that you know that the the Belgian uh, opponent said all right you know what let's let's postpone one of our games so that maybe this team could uh uh maybe even make the the final four yeah that's a really nice thing from them to do because i think this is not only answer but we are representing whole belgium right now because uh, austin got out um to not make it to the quarterfinals so i think um it was very generous for uh, that team to say like, hey, let's postpone the game because we really need to win that game, uh, not only for us, not only for the team, but for whole Belgium to say like, hey, we can put Belgium on the map and um, we can make people respect our um, country a little bit more than the past few years. So yeah, it's, it's really great that uh, they give us this opportunity because it would be a shame that we would 
lose such a thing because of people being too exhausted, having too many games. Um, we need to be 100% because it's not good enough that we have this lead and think that we won. No, we need every 80 minutes. And um, I think that team gave us a really nice assist to uh, aid us to win that next game. You have to give them some tickets to the Final Four if you guys make it. <laughs> <laughs> you really give them a nice shout-out, for sure. <laughs> um, you guys probably don't want to say it, you don't want to hear it, but you are in the driver's seat. You have a 15-point lead, which is a pretty good-sized lead for the second leg. Uh, you guys are on the brink of, of you know, uh, probably the biggest game in club history since two, you guys won the title in 2000. How do you remain grounded? How do you stay calm and and uh and just you know let's say workman like how do you stay grounded knowing that this huge game is coming up i think that this was a process over the season uh why we remain calm um i think because we already had the experience to play against such high level teams we already know what to expect and how to behave um we know if we would start flying right now saying oh look how we are and look at the exposure and if we start thinking about next season and stuff like that we will not achieve great things anymore um, if we stay focused and just keep playing our game uh, we can like achieve great things and like even win this thing so it will be a shame if we would uh, be off balance and um, think about other stuff um, it wouldn't be good so it's just natural and also our coaching staff and everyone, um, they keep us surrounded to say like, let's keep the focus up and just play game by game. Um, don't even think of it as a, a quarterfinal or a half final. Just look at it as another game. Just give everything every game. And um, if you give our best and we lose, it wouldn't be that big of a problem. But if we don't give everything and if we lose that would be a shame so we just want to give uh, everything every game and just see what happens so that's just our mentality right now you were able to to kind of keep kendrick perry in check you know um you know i think he went five, six of 15 or something like that uh and even uh drug savage was just three of nine uh for six points um what, what do you see as maybe the key for antwerp to uh, make it to the final four Defense will be our main factor, uh, especially because we have this 15-point lead. We need to be really focused on defense because if our defense isn't good, our offense is a little bit off balance. So for sure, we need to keep our defense tight. And if you get the opportunity, we can get in some stunts like alley-oops and some um, step-back trees and stuff like that. But the main thing we need to focus on is um, not letting the porn guards or uh, the center um, get in their top level. Uh, for sure, the other players also have key factors, but um, if you have already a 15-point lead, I think we can focus a little bit more on uh, those two players to really say, like, uh, don't give them any looks. Um, we also have a good um, scouting uh, report to say, like, uh, how they play with their ball screens. So we know what to expect. So we just need to follow everything that our coach told us. And normally, um, if we do what we have to do, there shouldn't be a problem. But 
at a top level, you never know. Uh, just like in the FIBA competition where people won with 33 and then afterwards they lost with 33 and they had to go uh, overtime. So that is a situation we want to avoid, especially because it's at our house. We really want to um, give our fans another great um, thing to see uh, that we will advance to the next level. So this is another great opportunity for us. So defense will be the main factor. To close, uh, we're recording this actually kind of late in the evening, and you'll probably be heading off to bed before too much long and maybe even dream a little bit. Uh, I'll say it one more time, Antwerp in the Final Four. How does that sound to you? It sounds really good <laughs> and uh, great exposure, uh, great feeling. We are hungry for more. Um, I think we can do this, and yeah, let's, let the underdogs win one time. That would be really great. <laughs> All right, uh, Ismail Baku, thanks for coming on. Appreciate you taking some time. and Good luck. Uh, congratulations first on the first 40 minutes, and uh, good luck on the uh, on the second 40 minutes. Uh, enjoy the atmosphere at home. I'm sure it's going to be a huge party, and uh, hopefully everybody ca- comes back from that Liege game, everybody healthy, and uh, and uh, so you guys could uh, go full force and uh, and take on Nizhny and, and maybe even make history and, and send a Belgian team to the, to the Final Four. Thanks for... Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you very much for having me. Bye. All right. Thanks again to Ismail Bako from Telenet Giants Antwerp for joining us on this week's podcast. Uh, Dave, a lot of interesting stuff there. What did you think about what Bako had to say? The kids are ready. (laughs) Uh, You know, just the youthful exuberance. Um, and uh, you know, I I really think they were they they were helped by getting into that group and you know having to face the, the those super high level teams, um, you know that early in the competition, and uh, and that I think also you know he said it and you know that really helped them also win the cup, uh, knowing you know that they could play against a team like Osten. You know they've played against bigger, stronger teams uh, than Osten. You know you look at Ike uh, and Bumberg and. And Jerusalem are all in that group, and uh, yeah, hey, you know the young kids are ready. They're here, and uh, you know we we kind of talked about it before the the before we started recording. This is the same, pretty much the same team as last year, and we talked about we talked about it with Paris Lee. You know the leadership that a guy like Tremel Darden gives these young kids, and and now so they learn it from the veteran, and now they're able to you know take what he taught them and, and, and then, um, you know, take it to their own level. And, uh, so yeah, kids are ready. They, they don't know that they maybe shouldn't be doing the things they're doing. So it's, it was, it's, it's, it, it was cool and refreshing to talk to him as well. Yeah, that's a great point. With nobody on this team older than 27 years old, I think that experience in the regular season was very beneficial for them going up against Ike, Bomberg, Jerusalem, and just getting some great experience going up against incredible veterans with you know NBA experience and high-level European experience. And so that was, I think, very beneficial for them and, and a big reason of for their success in the round of 16 and then in the first leg of the quarterfinals against Nizhny. But they're not 
in the final four yet. There's still 40 minutes to play. Nizhny have already beaten a team by more than 15 points, blowing out Venezia. So Antwerp will have to stay focused in the home leg. There's going to be a lot of pressure on them. They'll have a great support from the home crowd, no doubt about that. But that's still going to be some pressure on them where Nizhny coming in with not much to lose. So I'm really excited to see how Antwerp respond if they come out aggressive and confident and play their game or if they become a little bit uh, too careful and and maybe that causes them some problems. So I'm excited to see how they handle that next week. Dave, it's going to be an amazing second leg next week, Wednesday, April 3rd. All four of these matchups will be decided. We'll have our four final four teams. Any final thoughts from you? No, really just can't wait for for the four games and can't wait to talk about it next week. All right, it should be amazing. There's going to be a ton of drama next week. Make sure you subscribe to livebasketball.tv to watch all of these games live. Download the official Champions League app and of course, go to the website championsleague.basketball for everything you need to help you follow the quarterfinals and get ready for the final four. Only one more week until we know who will be in the final four and where it will be hosted. There's going to be some incredible games next week. I can't wait for Jerusalem at Tenerife. I can't wait to see how Antwerp respond. I'll be uh, in Bologna to see if they can overcome that eight-point deficit against Nanterre. And of course, the defending champions, Ike Athens, with their backs against the wall, down by four points, going up against Broza Bomberg, who've now won 12 straight games in Athens. That one's going to be amazing. So make sure you check out all the games next week. Dave and I will be back with you next week. We'll have some more player interviews. We'll talk a little bit about the final four matchups and the host location. So stay tuned for that. So thanks again to Ishmael Bako. Thanks to Tyrese Rice and Dusan Sakota for their time after the game. For Dave Hine out in Germany, my name is Austin Green, and this has been BCL Coast to Coast. <laughs> <laughs>